listening to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, a weekly look into the world of Royal Caribbean cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hotchberg, and this is episode 389. With the new year, I wanted to kick things off with a good friend of mine, Sherry from Cruise Tips TV, talking about really nothing. We don't really have a specific topic. It's a cruise show about nothing, but we're talking about cruising and kind of just starting off the year on the right foot with a lot of different potpourri cruise questions right here on the podcast. Here we go. I wanted to start off 2021 on the best foot forward possible. And when I think of best and I think of awesome and I think of friends, I think of Sherry from Cruise Tips TV. And I thought there's no better way to start off this year than with Sherry to join me here on the Royal Caribbean Blog podcast. We've had her a couple different times. She's amazing. She's awesome. She loves great drinks. And she's joining us here once again on the podcast. Sherry, welcome back to the Royal Caribbean Blog podcast. What's up, my cruise bestie? Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Absolutely. I'm so glad to have you here. And, uh, you know, just uh, yeah, I wish it was under better circumstances, but we'll, we'll eventually get there. But nonetheless, talking cruising is still better than, no, than nothing at all. And, and that's uh, always a pleasure to have you on here. Um, and, and today's episode... <laughs> it's it's a podcast about nothing. It's um there's no specific topic about it. I just wanted to talk to Sherry. So if you guys don't mind indulging me here, we're going to talk some cruising together. I love it. Thank you. I think I think we've all come to terms with the fact that cruising isn't going to happen for a little while, so we've got to just find ways to entertain ourselves and have fun and keep our spirits up. What better way to do that than a chat with Matt? There you go. I mean, it it's definitely the I think the right mantra because you know, I often tell people, you know, when they ask me, and I'm going to ask you this question in a second, you know, when will we be able to cruise? And, you know, it's one of those things that th- there's nothing you can do to control it, uh, whether or not it gets ex- the cancellations get extended or not extended or, you know, th- there's so many things that are out of our hands. And with this kind of situation, it is literally just to sit back and wait. And I'm sure you've gotten these questions in in your live chats as well. By the way, Sherry does uh, Cruise Tips TV on YouTube, and we'll have a link in our show notes so you can check her out and uh, see all her great content there. So when someone asks you, Sherry, when will we be able to cruise? I mean, what has been your go-to answer for that? Uh, because it's the unanswerable question, but it's still the question we get asked all the time. Yeah, I think before the virus rates started to escalate again in the U.S. in time for winter, which I think we all knew it was coming, but we were sort of in denial about it. Before that, I would have said, oh, you know, maybe March 1st, maybe it's still possible. But now, in my heart of hearts, Matt, as much as it pains me, I'm having a hard time seeing how any cruise line is going to be able to get back out there before late spring, early summer. I'm, you know, always the optimist, but just don't know how it's possible. And I think that there's a lot of reasons for that. Number one, right now, the virus is just out of control in the U.S. And, you know, in some of the coastal states where the ships would be leaving from it's at its worst. So that just doesn't really help anything. Second, I think people are waiting for the vaccine. I think businesses are waiting for the vaccine and we know that for the general population to get that done, it's probably going to be gosh, you know, the end of spring or at least mid spring before we can start seeing massive numbers of people vaccinated. And just, you know, we've got the test cruise issue too. Mm. And, you know, I certainly don't believe any of those have started yet. And I think that the cruise lines have to jump through a lot more hoops than we even know. So I think there's just too much work to do too much, too much risk right now. And I think it's going to be a while. How about you? What do you think? Yeah, I agree with a lot of what you said there. And, and, uh, you know, there's, 
there's a couple things that kind of stick out to me. And again, I'm an optimist about this. So certainly some people listening might, might be shaking their head because you guys think, uh, you know, that we're, we're a little, we're, we're far off on this, but a couple things stand out to me. Number one, the, I agree with what Sherry, what, with what Sherry's, I'm talking to you in the third person, like you're not here. Uh, I agree <laughs> with what you said <laughs> about the fact that, um, it's gotten worse and it's out of control. The good thing about, not the good thing, but the only silver lining of this is this was expected. You know, when the vaccine came out and all that positive news, remember in December, uh, right around Thanksgiving, early December, there was a lot of like hype because the vaccines were getting approved and there was a lot of great excitement. But I remember a lot of health experts saying, this is good. This is going to be good, but it's going to get worse before it gets good again. And we're seeing that. So it's always nice when things are anticipated. Like, you know, if you're going to have a problem, at least be something that people are expecting, not an unexpected problem. Again, maybe I'm, I'm splicing hairs here. That kind of sticks out to me as a good thing in, in that sense. And on top of that, I want you to think back to everything that happened in 2020. I mean, from the start in January through March, through June, July, August. I mean, so many things happened. And to say that no one could have anticipated what was going to happen in the year gives me hope that in 2021, yeah, we're sitting here in January and it doesn't look good. But so many things can happen. It's not to say that the rest of the year is going to be a copy and paste of January or a co- or, or, or continuation of December 2020 by any means. Um, a lot can happen. And a lot of good things can happen just as well as bad things can happen. And my hope is that as we progress and you know the vaccine takes hold, as hopefully the cruise lines are given the opportunity from the CDC to work together, that all that's going to come together and and be in a, we're going to be in a better place going forward. So it's hard to imagine now you know, the, that, that things are going to improve rapidly. But my hope is that it's going to, as we go through the spring and into the summer, that we're going to see that light in the tunnel far, instead of it being a glimmer or, or an idea in some people's minds, it's actually going to be a reality. And we're going to be able to see the, the finish line. Yeah, I I think you're right. I think we've all, (laughs) you know, we've been told since summer, that winter is coming, you know, it's going to be this dark and terrible time. And sadly, that prediction has come true. And I don't think any of us think that we're going to, you know, be be skipping through the tulips necessarily tomorrow. But you're right. It has to get better. There, there are answers. There are solutions. There are Ah, there's hopefully a changing tide coming, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, that's the look. I I don't think we can't not talk about that, but I have some fun stuff to talk about because, listen, there's no cruises happening right now. And while there are no cruises happening right now, no reason you can't daydream, right? I mean, we can we can. Absolutely. So I wanted to ask you, I wanted to I want to get to know the inner Sherry here. So I want you guys all to play at home um, what you think and and also maybe anticipate what Sherry's going to say on this one. But I'm going to ask you, I've got some questions about just how you like to cruise, Sherry. And just kind of, again, we're not going on a cruise, guys. The next best thing is let's pretend we're going on a cruise and think about it. So let's start with the number one thing. And uh, actually, we're recording this on Sherry's lunch break right now. And uh, I'm sure you had a lovely microwaved um, uh, meal of some kind. Or maybe you made a sandwich. I'm not sure what the – actually, here's a better question. What does Sherry have for lunch on an average day? Oh, man. I do actually have some microwave things in my freezer for days when it's really busy, but I usually eat leftovers topped with some kind of a salad. So, you know, if I had chicken enchiladas last night for dinner, it's a chicken enchilada in the microwave and I dump some romaine lettuce on it and some salsa, right? (laughs) So whatever's laying around the house, I try to save the sandwiches for like picnics and weekend. 
Um, but yeah, it's really just a free for all. When I was going to the office every day, it was nice because I'd get to go out to lunch a few times a week and mix it up. And man, do I miss that? I really, I miss restaurant dining so much. We're totally locked down in California. So I'm stuck with my microwave meals. All right. So on that note, what restaurant on a cruise ship, any cruise ship, do you miss the most? I got to be honest, and I know that you're going to tell me I'm being a brown noser here because this is the Royal Caribbean blog podcast, but I love Wonderland. Um, it is fantastic. We got to do it for the first time on Harmony of the Seas. And when people ask me these days, what's your favorite restaurant? What took you the most by surprise? I think Wonderland because it just appeals to everyone. And if you can just allow yourself to kind of surrender to the experience a little bit, it's just fantastic. I love it. And the view on Harmony of the Seas. Are you kidding me? <laughs> looking um, looking back at, is it, is it the boardwalk, yep. Matt? Is that the view you get Yep. on Harmony? Yeah, gorgeous. It's funny you mentioned that restaurant because I remember we went on Anthem of the Seas with my parents in spring break 2019. Gosh, it's so long ago now. Um, we went on spring break with uh, with my parents, and we were on Anthem of the Seas, which also has Wonderland. And we got, uh, I don't know, I think we got a dining package. It doesn't matter. Anyway, um, I took my parents. They had never been on the ship before, so we, you know, we did a little bit of dining around. We weren't in the dining room. We weren't in the special restaurants all the time. But the last night of the cruise, we were supposed to go to Wonderland. I made reservations for it for my wife and my parents. My wife has been there, and I've been there, and my parents have not. And I was thinking to my wife, I was like, you know, listen, I, I think we should cancel this because I don't think they're going to like this at all. Like, I think this is just going to be like, they're going to give me a look and they're going to be asking what time does the Windermere close um, because they want to know when they can go get like a burger afterwards. But it ended up being such a huge hit. They loved the restaurant. They said if it, if we had dined there earlier in the cruise, they would have gotten back again for it. Um, it's Wonderland is such a unique restaurant, obviously, because it's it's motif, but I think it's so it's so hard to define because if someone asks you, Sherry, what are what, what what what's it like? What do they eat there? It's like uh, you eat food. It's but it, yeah. it's not like you know it's not a burger restaurant. It's not a steak restaurant. It's not a hibachi. It's it's hard to put your finger on what it is exactly. It doesn't. You're right. It doesn't really have a theme, and you usually don't want to tell people too much. Everybody says it's whimsical, which when it comes to food, who knows what that even means, right. but I don't know. It's like a feast for the senses. And can we please not forget that they have the best cocktails at that oh. bar? Oh my word. They're so good. Yes. Um, I got the drink package on that cruise and I, I attempted to try just about every drink <laughs> <laughs> from that bar. And I think it was the first night and man, did I get teased about that? People were like, okay, well you need to <laughs> you know, pulling the reins on that drink package, but it is just a wonderful experience. And it's just, it, it hits every sense for one reason or another from the view that you get when you walk in to the feeling that you get walking down the staircase from the bar to the restaurant, at least on harmony. And, you know, it's visually appealing, it's tasty, things smell good. And then of course you have that element of surprise. It's just cruising at its best. So, while you're you're going back to work here in a little bit, and when you're sitting there staring at the wall and thinking to yourself, "Gosh, I wish I was on a cruise right now," um, what port would you want to spend the uh, spend a day in the most right now? Oh man, that's tough. What port? You know what's weird? The first thing that came to mind was good old Cozumel. That's what I thought. Just, <laughs> it's so weird. You know, of all the great exotic places mm -hmm. that we want to go and that we've been, just being spoiled, not doing dishes, having cocktails brought to me and just 
kind of like wading out into the water at Nachi or Mr. Sancho's or wherever it is you want to go. Nothing sounds better than that simple beach day to me right now. And so that's the first thing that came to mind. If I really gave it some thought, I'm sure I could get really deep here and be, we could be like, you know, Bora Bora or something <laughs> exotic like that. But I just, I miss those simple casual beach days. See, I thought you were going to go beach day makes total sense, but I thought you were going to go all West coast on us. Cause you know, you live in Cali and you drive your oh, red yeah. Mazda Miata around all the way, all right. the places. Yep. Um, I thought you were going to go for like all those other Mexican ports I haven't been to on the West coast, like Mazatlan. Is that the, is that a port? Mazatlan. Yeah. Yeah. That one. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, those are great, but they can't compete with the Caribbean. And, hmm. and there's no doubt that I love the Mexican Riviera and the Baja Peninsula. It's great, but it can't compete with the Caribbean. I mean, we, we cruise it because we love it, but also because it's close to home. So yeah, I think if given the choice, I would take, I would take the Caribbean right now, especially because I'm freezing. It's, you know, in my, inside my house right now, it's 62 because we're trying not to turn on the heater every second, which is manageable, but you know, outside in the forties, we're, we're chilly. So yeah. Yeah, warm beach day. That's like my wife and I are having the exact same fight and she wants to turn the heat on. I'm like, we live in Florida. I'm not turning the heat on. Like just <laughs> put on a sweater. You'll be fine. Like, <laughs> what port would you pick though? I need to know where would you, where would you? Try oh, Cozumel. Cozumel is really what I'm, I, it's what? just like, it's what I had in my mind. I, as soon as you said it, that's kind of what I, as I was reading the question, that's kind of what I had because it's the quintessential port day. Like it's, it's yeah. lovely all around and there's so much to do there. That's what I love about Cozumel is it's not like a one-trick pony. Um, if you want to go to the beach like we're talking about, you got that. You want to go downtown and go shopping and eat and gorge yourself and enjoy. You've got that. You want to go history? They've got – how about Mayan ruins? You want to take the ferry to the mainland and check out Tulum and go to uh, 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 Porta del Carmen. No, Playa del Carmen. Sorry. Oh, Playa del Carmen. Yeah. Yep, yep. Mm-hmm. You've got that over there. Um, I mean, there's a ton of stuff to do in Cozumel. It's one of the more – one of the best, I think, uh, developed cruise ports out there. And, and, and you know, it may not make anybody's top ten list. I, re- I think it really doesn't. You know, like you said, Bora Bora and all these other – you know, Venice. They're amazing places. But, boy, if you're looking for a place that's going to hit anybody's, you know, I, I'm in the mood for this kind of list, it's hard to go wrong with Cozumel. Yeah, never had a bad day there. And you're right, there's so much to do. Go scuba diving, take a Jeep tour, and all the other things you mentioned. And you could, you know, never see it the same way twice. So let me ask you this. I, this is on a personal note here. The the West Coast Mexican ports, since I've never been there before, what's their vibe like? I assumed it was just Cozumel West in, in, in uh, some way. Is that, but that doesn't sound like that's the case. What is, is there a port that I'm more familiar with, perhaps that you can best equate like a port like, um, Cabo, San Lucas, and Mazza. Mazatlan? Yeah, there's the one. Yeah, you mean like kind of how does it compare to the Caribbean? Yeah, like what is it like? Like well, how would you compare it yeah. to? Okay, well, let's start with Cabo. So Cabo can be described as the desert meets the sea. But you know how in California the water is not Caribbean blue? It's sort of like a – it's a pretty blue, but it looks more like the coast of Costa Rica. It's more of a deep – kind of a royal blue. Mm-hmm. That's what you see in Cabo. So you have you have bare beach and kind of desert-like mountainous areas that kind of run up to the sea. And Cabo San Lucas is very dry and hot, mostly sunny year-round. So you get humidity, rain, and storminess during certain times of the year, but then when it's when it's dry and hot, it's dry and hot. So think think about Palm Springs with an ocean. And that's mm. that's Cabo for you. Sounds like a, a lot like Aruba. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's probably a lot like Aruba. You even get some of the wind that you get in Aruba. Mm-hmm. I think it, it probably has that look, but without the water just isn't as blue. Now there's it's since it's a peninsula, on one side you have the Pacific Ocean, which is more of a dark blue. And then the Sea of Cortez has a bit more of that aquarium look mm. on the other side. And that that arc that comes down sits sort of straddles both sides of the ocean. So it's pretty fascinating. On the other hand, Puerto Vallarta, which is deeper down into Mexico and it's off of the mainland, has more of a tropical vibe. So you're going to pull up and you're going to see beautiful trees coming down to the water. It's much less dry. It's actually quite humid compared to Cabo San Lucas, and it has more of a jungly look to it. Um, None of these places have comparable scuba or snorkeling if you're trying to compare it to the Caribbean. It's good. There's good diving. There's good snorkeling, but it's a different look. You've got to get over the fact that the water just isn't that aqua blue. It's different, Mm. different marine life. But if you want to do something like whale watching, those places are absolutely fantastic. Mazatlan's kind of smack between the two in terms of its climate and its look. It's the least pretty, I would say, of those three ports. The beaches just aren't quite as attractive, but it does hold some appeal for people. Um, It's a fun place to go, but just not quite as pretty as Cabo and Puerto Vallarta. It's sort of like middle of the road. Does that kind of help to paint the picture? Yeah, no, that makes total sense. And which one is the one that's got all those cliff divers that I see on the Mexico ride in Epcot? That's Mazatlan, believe it or not. Okay, there you go. Yeah. Nice. So with that being said, along those lines, which cruise port would you love to retire at someday? Never mind like economics of it or anything like that, but just, you know. Um, that is a killer question. Cruise port. I'd like to retire someday. Or you could buy a vacation okay. home. You know what? You know what? You don't have a show on HGTV and show how you bought it. That's cool too. Yeah, <laughs> that would be so fun, wouldn't it? Oh man, I think Cabo San Lucas could hold quite a bit of allure for that because then you're only a thousand miles away from family in California and a quick two-hour flight, right? Mm. So there's that could be good. I could see Cabo San Lucas being an excellent retirement place. Definitely, if we were talking about the Caribbean, I think somewhere like Tortola would be great. I have some friends who built a house in Tortola, and of course they sold it, but sounds. I think I'm going to go with that. So I'm going to go with Tortola in the Caribbean or Cabo over here. I've never been to Tortola. Obviously, I haven't been to, the, to um, Cabo as well. But um, yeah, it's one of those places that just I haven't gotten to yet, and I think that would be amazing to uh to check out at some point it's just it, unfortunately it does not there's certain ports that rail just really doesn't go to and they have they empress i think was did go there or was supposed to go there obviously that's not going to happen anymore so um there's that but at some point it'd be nice to be able to visit uh tortola and um yeah. uh, grenada and um saint bart's maybe some other ones are there yeah, yeah. And now that your girls are getting older, I think for you, if you do go to Tortola, definitely take the ferry over to Virgin Gorda and do the baths. Mm. They could handle the hike down and they would absolutely love that. It'd be such a fun day for all of you guys. All right. So I've got some some rapid fire questions here. Are you ready for these? These might be controversial. So we're going to get to no no judgment here. This is no judgment zone. This is just we're, we're, we're keeping it real over here. So. I've got five of them that we're going to talk about here. All right. Number one, can you wear shorts to the main dining room on formal night? No. Absolutely not. You want me to elaborate? No. (laughs) No, No, not not unless you're cruising on Norwegian where you have freestyle dining. No. Go to the buffet. How long can you leave your chair before you become a chair hog? 
Depends on what you're doing. If you're swimming in the pool and you're right next to your chair, you get mm. to leave it for 30 minutes. If you're walking away and being a jerk, uh, I'll also give you 30 minutes to be a jerk. But that's it. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever grabbed a dinner roll from the buffet with your hands? Absolutely not. Okay, I have. No. I, I admit it. I grabbed yeah. one. Yeah, you're standing oh, right there, and there's a roll, and you grab it. I don't. I don't. I don't grab them like avocados. I'm like, oh, this one's not ripe yet. No, I just say, there's one I want. Just grab it. Move on to the next one. I've done it before. Which cruise loyalty program do you like the most? Uh, without a doubt, Princess. What about it? What stands out for you? I feel like you can reach pretty good perk levels pretty early in the process. Um, and the way that it's structured is that it, you can advance either via number of cruises or number of days. So it could, you know, you're in one level, one level is your sixth, sixth to your 15th cruise or X amount of days. And I think it gives people a lot of flexibility and I just feel like they're really trying hard to spoil you Mm. on princess. But of course I'm probably a bit biased because I've advanced in that, with that line more than any others. But as far as I can tell at this point, I feel like Princess is my favorite. I have one. I have another question, though. I'm going to leave for the last one. But I forgot. I forgot to ask you earlier. You went to Japan um, before the whole shutdown on a cruise, and that was like amazing in and of itself. So, uh, you know, obviously Japan is not an extended part of the Caribbean by any means. So, what's the appeal of going to Japan on a cruise? Oh my gosh, I could spend an hour talking about the appeal of Japan. Yeah, we did. We went on actually on Diamond Princess, the ship that had the um, the outbreak back in February, and it still remains one of our all-time favorite ships. It's difficult to capture the appeal of Japan because it's it's really has a lot to do with the people. Mm-hmm. There is something so incredibly special about the Japanese people. The, they're kind. They're so incredibly welcoming and helpful and warm. And um, for example, when you would pull into one of the ports, they would have, you know, full bands and musical um, numbers welcoming you. And the the, um, locals would just come down to the port with their dogs, their families, and just stand there at the port and you would get off and you could try to interact with them if you wanted. And they were just kind and fascinating. And the way that their, their society is structured is just so respectful. And, um, it's, it's hard to explain, Hmm. but the ports are absolutely fascinating and beautiful too. So we were excited to visit places like Shimizu, which is a little town at the base of Mount Fuji. Just seeing Mount Fuji from the ship alone was pretty incredible. And there's a lot of incredible history too. So if you go to Osaka, you can take a day trip over to Kyoto and see all of the, you know, the shrines and the Torai gates and all of that stuff. And it's just, there's so much to see. And their public transportation system is fascinating. The trains and the bullet trains and the sites and the people. It's just fascinating. Cool. The last question for you. If you were stuck in a foxhole with someone, who would it be? You. <laughs> of course, know. Matt. <laughs> Boy, you're putting your life into some. You're, you're my cruise bestie. You're my cruise Oh, gosh. I mean, like, do I have to pick a celebrity or someone that I'm fascinated with? I would say this. The only rules are it can't be me and it can't be your husband. Uh, And it can't be my child. I guess, yeah, you trust your child. (laughs) I wouldn't trust my kid to save my life. (laughs) Okay, in a foxhole. In a foxhole. I know this is kind of a guy question. I tried to find an equivalent. It is kind of a guy. Okay, it is a guy question. Okay. Oh, man, this is really, really hard. 
Yeah, because I mean, you're stuck in a foxhole. Not only not only is your life on the line, but there's a lot of downtime. Yep. Like you're kind of stuck there, okay. you know. Got my answer. Okay. It's that Bear Grylls guy from <laughs> what's that show called? Oh, <laughs> I know what you. Oh, in what is it called? Man versus Wild. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bear Grylls. He's gonna get you out of any situation, man. You're gonna you're gonna be eating worms and caterpillars and termites, but you're gonna you're gonna live. Okay. Right? So you, you passed up on survive. you passed up on your mom. Got it. Okay. Well, my mom <laughs> in the foxhole. <laughs> but at least she'll have passed the time. I don't know. She's in your YouTube <laughs> chats. You did tell me this is going to be controversial. So <laughs> um, I hope my mom's not listening. Awesome. Well, if you want to, if you want to talk to Sherry's uh, mom uh, during her YouTube chats, you can because she's live on YouTube uh, as well. She does some great YouTube videos. Uh, Cruise Tips TV. Check it on out. I do as well. It's it's my favorite thing to to do. And of course, I've shared this story before. I'll share it again. Every time I have Sherry on my laptop, or maybe we put it on the TV, because you know, you know, you can watch YouTube on the TV, which is really nice. The first thing my wife always says, How come your studio doesn't look as good as Sherry's? And I'm like, really? Like, you know, we're married. Like, be a little more supportive on that. She's like, Well, hers looks better. So thanks for always one up in me, Sherry. Oh, I love it. We're gonna have to get you a studio makeover for uh for Christmas, but it's all smoke and mirrors, this stuff. I mean, our studio is right in the middle of our house. Mm-hmm. It's right in the middle of a living room. And we just have like a pull down background and it, you know, it all looks very manufactured really. When you see it from the outside, it's like, Whoa, that's, that's your set. That's, that looks strange, but you know, <laughs> you do a lot with a bookshelf and a, a pull down roll of paper. There you go. Well, Sherry, thanks again for joining <laughs> me here. Really appreciate it. My pleasure, Matt. Thank you so much. And hopefully we'll be back on the high seas soon. All right. We're back with listener emails again. I'm so glad so many of you really enjoyed that. We brought it back, obviously, last week for the first time in for the first time in forever. There were emails everywhere. And uh, sorry, I didn't mean to sing, but it just seemed like the appropriate uh, song for that. Anyway, um, we talked about, of course, the... Uh, a lot of different topics there. And I mentioned that I only had enough emails finally to do a segment after however many months. And luckily, a lot of other people have sent an email since then. So we might have at least one more episode, one more episode with listener emails to share. And our first email is from a very good friend of mine, Mr. Don Goldstein. He writes, Matt, in episode 388, you received a question about the continued value of the PVSA and by extension, the Jones Act. I'm sure this will be more than what you want or need, but I hope it won't be boring. Both the PVSA, which is the Passenger Vessel Services Act, that came out in 1886, and the Jones Act, the Merchant Marine Act of 1920, are cabotage laws designed to protect the U.S. maritime industry. Most countries with coastal ports have some form of cabotage laws, some very similar to ours. The U.S. has cabotage laws regarding aviation. The justification for both the PVSA and the Jones Act is the same. They need to protect the U.S. Merchant Marine, which are licensed officers and documented trade personnel on the ships, and to protect the U.S. shipyards that both build and repair the ships. Both laws require that ships carrying people, PVSA and cargo, Jones Act, between the U.S. ports, including territories, be done on U.S. registered and enrolled flagged vessels. This is called the coasting or coast-wise trade. In order to be flagged in the United States, the vessel must be built in the U.S., the owner must be a U.S. citizen, and the vessel must be crewed primarily by U.S. citizens, all officers, or at least authorized to work in the U.S., it means that most, if not all, U.S. laws apply to the vessels and their crew, including wage and labor laws, OSHA laws, etc. 
The Pride of America, the NCL ship you mentioned, was initially built by the United States, by U.S. lines, I think. Uh, but when they went bankrupt, it wasn't finished. Norwegian got special permission to move it to Europe and finish it and still be eligible to be a U.S. flagged vessel. My wife and I sailed on her several years ago, and the service was the worst we had ever seen. We attribute the really bad service to the number of Americans in the crew. The few foreign nationals on board gave uh, service similar to Royal Caribbean, but there weren't enough of them. Without the cabotage laws, it is unlikely the U.S. would have a merchant marine or any large shipyards. This is seen as a national security issue. For example, who would build our Navy or Coast Guard ships? Also, many merchant marine officers hold rank in the U.S. Naval Reserve and are available to man those vessels during time of war. Sorry for the length of the email, but I want to give you information. You can always use the delete case. Stay, health, stay healthy so we can finally sail together. Don, this is great stuff right there because, of course, people want to know why we have this. And this relates also to Alaska primarily, among other. Why you can't have cruises that go nowhere, and it's because of the PVSA. Um, and what basically Don explained there is why the PVSA exists. Yes, it's completely useless for the fact of, you know, um, you know, cruise ships. But it serves a role, I think, and based on what Don said there, a lot of it is, I think, primarily based around the idea of, you know, the U.S. Uh, national defense and whatnot. So not the answer we're looking for or we wanted to have, but it is the answer that is the correct answer. So, yeah. So for the email yes, uh, last week about the uh, PVSA and why it still exists, there you go. Next, we have an email from Dan who writes, a sure sign of things to come are that are, things are coming back to normal. Our listener emails are back, right? Okay, I've got a question that I'm going to ask in a specific uh, that was to prevent, number one, any political discussion, and two, you being able to say, I don't know, Royal doesn't know, nobody knows. <laughs> I know it's a relatively new thing, but how established was the process or infrastructure at the cruise stops in Cuba? If the current policy was to be reversed, and obviously if ships were sailing, what's your opinion on the logistics of that island showing up on itineraries again? Just here to start rumors, stay safe and healthy. Thanks for all you do. Dan, love the email. Great job, dude. And um, it's a really good question. So... The answer to your question, Dan, uh, is not floating in the wind. The answer to your question is in a recent podcast episode we talked about, we had, which was episode 386, Remembering Majesty and Empress of the Seas. And on that, in, the, in that episode, uh, Raymond Scheider, who was one of our guests on there, was talking about this, and he mentioned something. I'm going to go, I'm going to assume that he's right because he works for the cruise line. He knows this stuff. I'm sure he knows a lot more than I do. He mentioned that Havana has three docks and two of them are completely useless leaving only one really that's practical to use now the issue is that that's number one number two ships larger than a majesty or a empress of the seas can't fit there my understanding is even a vision class ship would not be able to get in there and that's the bigger problem now could they tender perhaps um that's a good question i don't know that any ship has done that certainly when cruises from the U.S. were operating in Cuba, they were all going to Havana and docking in Havana. It's way easier. I, uh, any cruise line wants to go about it that way because it's just the, the better approach from from a variety of issues there. Um, so, from that standpoint, the issue, the logistical issue for Royal Caribbean is they don't have ships that can fit there. And unless Havana or Cuba, the Cuban government, invests money in upgrading them and or an outside company does so, which I don't think is going to happen because of course with Cuba being a communist country and their, the way that they've set up their uh, government laws, I don't think a privatized port would be open, but who knows? Things can always change. Um, unless one of those things happen, you're not going to see cruises resume there in, um, in, in Havana, at least with Royal Caribbean. Now, of course, there are other subsidiary companies that are out there. I mean, Celebrity certainly has small enough ships, I believe, and 
I know Azamara does for a fact. Um, these are all subsidiary cruise lines or sister cruise lines of Royal Caribbean International and subsidiaries of the Royal Caribbean Group. Um, you know, that's kind of the, as it stands today, right now, based on what we know, Dan, the, my understanding is that would not be possible from a Royal Caribbean International standpoint to be able to do that. Um, so could other cruise lines do that? I think the other issue, Dan, honestly, is even if Cuba, let's say cruises could resume tomorrow and let's say Cuba was open tomorrow. I don't know that a lot of cruise lines would initially be willing to jump at the chance to go back immediately like they were last time because they have to be a little gun shy about this. They got to be realistic and saying, okay, um, we, we saw what happened last time, right? Where they spent a lot of money investing and getting ready for Cuban cruises and then the door closed on them again. You know, you don't want to spend money and investment in time and energy and marketing and, you know, all this other stuff to have, you know, a brief, they don't want this to be a brief thing. It would be for the long run. So I'm not sure if that would play into it. That's a question for uh, a executive there. And to quote you quoting me, I don't know. Royal doesn't know. Nobody knows. <laughs> it does apply. But I think from a very, if, if the current policy was to be reversed, the ships were sailing, the issue is as long as your ship was able to get in, small enough to get in there, yes, it could happen. But I don't believe there are any Royal Caribbean ships currently that can handle uh, that. And uh, interestingly, we have another question here about Cuba from Lisa. I think it's going to be a similar one. Lisa T. from Chile, Wisconsin. And Lisa writes, in March 2019, my family took a cruise to Cuba on Majesty of the Seas. We loved it and booked another cruise to Cuba if and when we can visit Cuba again. So my question is, since Royal Caribbean sailed Majesty and Empress to Cuba and those ships are now sold and no longer part of the Royal Caribbean fleet, what ships does Royal Caribbean have that can fit in smaller ports such as Cuba? Love the podcast. And you heard the answer there, Lisa. There really aren't any that I'm aware of. Um, you know, again... Tendering is the of uh, is the X factor that they could do, I suppose. My understanding is Havana had the bigger port. And again, going back to uh, uh, what Raymond told us in that other episode, the other ports there uh, uh, that in Cuba that Santiago and um, San Fuegos were both ports that were smaller than Havana. So I think it, it would either be a tender or bust, quite frankly. Again, I don't know. For all I know, they could dock one half of the ship there. I'm not a logistical expert, a maritime logistical expert at all on this. But when cruises were being offered to Cuba, it was just the Majesty and just the Empress that were able to do that because it seemed like that was all we, we could do there. So thanks the, very much for the email. Thanks to everybody for sending in those emails. By the way, if you want to send your email in, it's up to you. Only you can prevent a Royal Caribbean Blog podcast episode without listener emails. Send it to matt at royalcaribbeanblog.com. Matt, M-A-T-T, at Blog. Dot com. So until next time, this has been Matt Hotchberg, and we'll talk again real soon.